for more, we join on the line by Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to all the listeners. So we started the local week yesterday with news that China had devalued its currency by almost uh, by, by, by the most it has done in more than 20 years. Now, how did markets react to the surprise move, and just given what the commodity prices are doing as well? Yes. So we started, you know, the JC started the day quite positive because the move, I think, was originally seen as providing support to markets because the RAD was expected to depreciate. But this very quickly turned into a risk-off scenario as this move was really interpreted as confirmation that the outlook for economic growth in China is even worse than expected. And, and that's really what resulted in the sharp drops in most commodity prices, as you mentioned, in particular that of oil, but also of base metals like copper. And, and other industrial metals, so things that will be used within um, uh, the production process, manufacturing processes. Um, the exception to this was precious metals, in particular gold, which um, along with U.S. Treasuries was seen as a safe haven from the broad-based declines that we saw in other parts of the market. And this also came as evidence of rising fears of significant capital outflows from China, something which, of course, the People Banks of, uh, People's Bank of China would like to avoid at all costs. But it certainly gave gold a bit of a, of a safe haven status. The result really was that there was a steady slide in the JSE all throughout the day, even though we did manage a positive close, something which uh, neither the European nor U.S. markets were able to achieve on the day. But I, I think the longer-term impact of this move by China um, really is, is, is the relative competitiveness of South Africa's export sector. That will come under even further pressure. We saw the manufacturing stats out of South Africa yesterday really talking about four of the major manufacturing sectors being in recession. And this, unfortunately, of course, will have a negative impact on our balance of payments because imports will continue to get more expensive, but we're not really able to capitalize on the export side of the equation. And yeah, this unfortunately does not bode well for either the RAD or for a general pickup in, in domestic economic growth. Mm, as if we don't have enough problems already. Yes. And then, um, you know, for the last two weeks, Narina, uh, there's been this growing spat between Eskom and Glencore, uh, the owner of Optimum Coal. So what exactly is this all about? Oh, you know, unfortunately, it, it sounds very much like a like a nursery school um, playground fight. But you know, it, it all started when Optimum Coal announced its plans to retrench 630 employees to reduce its workforce. This really was part of its plan to close some operations after coal prices slumped um, by a third since the start of of 2014. And in response, they were accused of not following due process in these retrenchment plans, and subsequently had their mining license suspended. So. As a result, the company then filed for bankruptcy protection as it's attempt to re- it attempted to renegotiate a long-standing but unprofitable supply contract with Eskom, but these plans failed. So Eskom then accused Optimum Coal of supplying poor quality coal and that they're being overcharged for it. So in the meantime, then, the mines minister lifted the suspension of the license after the company demonstrated that it had, in fact, followed due process in its labor issues. But Eskom was definitely not ready to back down and said it expected the terms of that standing agreement to be on it. So then yesterday, in the latest salvo, Eskom said that it was seeking 2 billion rand in penalties from Optimum Coal. Bear in mind, this is a company that's in business rescue. They want 2 billion rand in penalties because of a poor quality supply 
of coal. But the company then went back and said, but you know, the coal is supplied to Eskimos of the highest quality, and Eskom had happily been burning this coal, and it resulted in no meaningful issues. So they're not quite sure. You know, it seems a, a bit opportunistic of Eskom to try and, and get I- extra money from, from mm. optimum coal. So, you know, at this stage, this is really something which the business rescue practitioners will have to resolve. And in the meantime, Glencore, being the parent company of Optimum Coal, will continue to support it until such time as the business rescue plan has been finalized. But you know what? Unfortunately, this this all happens while our economy staggers around a bit like a punch-drunk boxer. And it it just seems that we keep being hit from all all sides on on this and that there is not really any um, consistent plan to move us forward out of the, the difficulties that we're currently experiencing. Well, um, Narina, let's move on to another topic that you and I just seem totally unable to avoid. Uh, of course, Greece. And <laughs> yesterday we got news that a Greek bailout deal has been put on the table. Can they now finally move on from this Greek tragedy, <sighs> the Europeans? You know, one would like to hope so. I did see a comment yesterday where somebody said um, the definition of, of madness is when you keep doing the same thing and expect different results. So this is the third bailout deal. The first two totaled 240 billion euros, and this one is, is uh, it's got a price tag of around 86 billion euros on the table. Um, and, and yes, they, they did manage after a 23-hour marathon session um, emerge uh, um, early this morning to say they have actually re- some sort of agreement. There's still a few small issues outstanding, but it seems as though um, the, the deal will, will be sealed and accepted first by the Greek Parliament and then also by the European Parliament in time for, for Greece to actually do the first major payment, which is 3.2 billion euros that is due uh, next week, Thursday, on the 20th of August. So um, I think some of the, of the final sticking points were um, with how to deal with non-performing loans held by banks but very much also setting up that asset sales fund. You might recall that that was one of the the key requirements was that they had to put 50 billion euros um, of state assets into a a fund which was to be controlled by external um, uh, trustees sort of to make sure, almost as a guarantee for for Europe that this would, and and, and the bailout um, really, that that would be uh, the the backup plan for them. So they have now reached agreements on this uh, and, and yes, I guess Greece can now try once again to build up its um, its economy very slowly. One of the agreements also is is the target of a budget surplus from 2016 onwards. So they are still allowed for this year to have a, a primary budget deficit of a, of a quarter of a percent, but then they have um, uh, agreed to surplus targets of half a percent next year, 1.75% the year after, and a, and a whopping 3.5% in 2018. And I must say, I, I think it's, it's going to be a tall order for the Greeks to, to actually meet these targets that they've agreed to.